Hi, everybody. My name is Irvin. I'm Kyle. And I'm John. And this is the Theology Podcast. And this week, we're continuing a series on exploring God's mission. And we've already looked in the past about how God's mission is me. God starts with me and the work that is in me by the Holy Spirit. And then also how God's mission is home or God's mission is here and how God's Spirit works through me in the immediate surroundings of my space, my family, my home, and the the people that I come into contact with on a regular basis. And so now that brings us to the part of conversation where we're talking about God's mission is there, talking about looking up and maybe going to different places. And so we've looked at that in Scripture, and specifically we're looking at Acts chapter 8 with the idea of Philip going to Judea and Samaria. And that kind of ties in back to Acts chapter one and verse eight, where Jesus kind of gives us an outline for the strategy for the mission. Uh, And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So John, help us understand more about Judea and Samaria. How do we get to that point? Right, so in Acts chapter eight, we pick up with Philip. He's a Jew, of course, and he's going into Samaria. And so I think that's, at least three things we can see in what Philip does in Samaria. The first of them is that he's going to Samaria. It's a place where he, a Jew, does not normally go. The Jews and Samaritans always had for a long time a very rocky history. And yet he's somehow open to the Spirit leading him there to go to a place where he risks being looked down upon, maybe even beaten up. But he chooses to go there. He's open to bearing witness to Jesus in that place. So that's the first thing, that it's an unexpected place. The second thing we see about God's mission being there is that it meets people where they are. God's mission is not just about stuffing the gospel down people's throats and arm-twisting, manipulating people into belief and conversion. But God's mission begins by addressing needs. Philip goes there, he heals people, he casts out demons, And the whole city is hanging on his every word. And by Philip's proclamation of Jesus, he's actually responding to a part of Samaritan religion. They also were expecting some kind of deliverer, some kind of future prophet. They didn't know what he would be. So Philip, by preaching Jesus, says, hey, this Jesus is the prophet that you've been waiting for all this time. And so that's the second thing, that God's mission goes out there to meet people where they are. And the third thing is that God's mission being out there is only by reason of the Holy Spirit. It is him who is the ultimate agent. It is not Philip by his strength, by his charisma, by his public speaking, by his magical powers. That's not how he does God's mission. Everything Philip does is by virtue of the Holy Spirit working in him, giving him the power to heal, to speak, to proclaim And I think those are the big blocks of what it means for God's mission to be out there beyond home, beyond our normal boundaries. All right, so what I hear you saying is that in order for God's mission to be there, that it just starts with me, starts with my transformation, and then it just kind of radiates outward. So that brings us to, you know, our questions for discussion, which is what do you think prompted Philip to go from Jerusalem where he's serving as a deacon. He's probably very comfortable there. We don't know if he's how long he's been living in Jerusalem, if, he, if that's his hometown or what. But we know that he goes from there to Samaria very intentionally. It's kind of like a Jonah moment, except he doesn't run away. He listens and, he's, and, he, and he shows up. So what, what do you suppose are the factors that actually prompt him to get there? 
Well, this is probably an area that we could speculate a little bit, but I think within reason. One is Philip could well have been one of the people who heard Jesus' original commission back in Acts 1.8. And he knows that, okay, this expansion of God's mission and kingdom, that's going to happen at some point. And so when this circumstance around him where uh, the church in Jerusalem is being persecuted, perhaps, who knows, he could have saw that as an opportunity that allows for something positive, the growth of God's kingdom and mission. You know, I think as we catch as we catch fire for God's spirit, we begin to see the world the way that God sees it, which allows us to see pockets of darkness in the world, places where the light hasn't yet reached, uh, and it kind of compels us to go to those places. Maybe we have a specific affinity for a certain place or country because we've worked there or we've traveled there on holiday or we have friends that are from there or have lived there. And so for us, maybe there's some sort of another connection and maybe that's God, one of God's ways of kind of putting a thread between us and that specific location and inviting us into his mission in that location, in that specific place. I think it's intentionally ambiguous with the case of Philip that we don't get all the background information except that he just goes to this one place that obviously is antagonistic this very different place where people have a very different view, and yet he feels compelled to go and to be the light in that place. It's hard to read Philip's story of his mission without kind of seeing myself in his shoes and wondering, what if I were Philip? What if I had this negative situation happening around me that was forcing me into another uncomfortable place? I, and I wonder about people that I find it harder to connect with. Maybe people that I haven't seen in a long time, or even people who are just always on the fringes of my social circle. And I kind of know them, but it's kind of gotten awkward because I haven't talked to them in so long. That kind of situation. What would it be like to strike up a conversation with these people that I kind of know, but never really talked to? It's almost like a nudging from the spirit slowly leading me into places I would never have expected to go. It's almost a will that is different from mine. Okay, so as we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 8, one of the things that you, you mentioned was the receptivity of Philip when he shows up in Samaria and when he interacts with the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a sense of great joy when they hear the message that he shares with them, specifically the, the good news of Jesus. Um, and so... That kind of begs the question for us today, you know, what does it look like for us to share joy with people that are beyond our typical boundaries, people that are over there or the people that we perceive as far away from us, whether it's just, you know, socioeconomic or actually geographically distant from us? How do we share joy with those people? If we were to start with probably the easy of the two, the geographic thereness, when we think of mission trips in the 21st century context, on the mission trips where I've been to just being there, just being there brings joy. So in that very act alone, just bothering to go the distance is, is something of great value to, to others. And then of course, joining them in their daily activities, visiting houses and asking people about their lives, having conversations. Those are the kinds of things that say to people, I want to be your friend. I want to know about your life and I value you. I cherish you as someone who God has created and I love your story and, and I want to know and hear and be a part of your story as well. 
Yeah, I think it's a matter of not having to overthink it and just realize, you know, I, I see this other person. Uh, even mm-hmm. if I'm a stranger, uh, I'm in a, in a strange environment, I'm in a new town, a new city, a new country, whatever the case may be, just the simple fact that I'm here and I'm open to relationship with someone else, uh, that's a that's a big, big difference. Uh, especially like you just said, like in a world where we're so closed off in spite of our connectivity through technology mm-hmm. and things, we are very much more isolated than we ever have been socially. And so to be socially aware of somebody else, to recognize them, to look them in the eye, uh, to be willing to engage with them in conversation, uh, I think that's definitely a good start. And then the other side of that is something we've already mentioned before is like, what makes the gospel good news to me? Like, is that something worth sharing with somebody mm-hmm. else? Uh, and you know, if, if so, that will naturally just flow out of me and flow into the relationships around me, including these very new relationships that I've just made in this new place. For me, uh, I think the whole idea of bringing the good news to someone else who is different and is out there, well, it can look like something that's really exciting. It can look like uh, you know a mission trip where you pack your bags and you go to a faraway country for a short period of time. At the same time, it could also look like something that is honestly a bit uncomfortable for many of us because like Kyle was mentioning, it would require you to uh, look at someone who is different from you and want to you know connect with that person and I think that it is a skill and a muscle that needs to be developed over time mm. yeah for myself growing up I remember that I wasn't really very open to people who were different from me because I just didn't experience that you know so most of my friends were very similar to me and it was only later on when I started meeting people of different ethnicities, people of different backgrounds, different beliefs, that I started realizing that I needed to be a little more open to the people who are out there. So it takes time, I feel. And I think it begins in the little things that we do, whether it's within our immediate circle, uh, we find the people who are out there, very different from us in our immediate circle. And once you are comfortable with that, then we pray that the Spirit will continue to send us further outwards. And one day we may be called to step out in faith into another country like you know, like Kyle has experienced or it may be somewhere closer to home. Yeah, uh, I also remember that there are members in our congregation who also spend a lot of time with foreign workers who have come to Singapore. So for them, are they serving in our home? Or are they serving out there? I mean, it's it's just a matter of how we look at it because um, it is a foreign experience, but within your home. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That brings us to the last aspect of our discussion today. And that's really thinking about the strategy and being open to the spirit. Because one of the things we see in scripture, especially in Acts here, is that, you know, not to disparage the apostles or anybody in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two, but they didn't sit down and have like strategic meetings about how they can share this news with the rest (laughs) of the world. Uh, It just kind of happened and Mm. it was the spirits prompting to do that. So if we're kind of following in those footsteps of even with Philip and all those that were persecuted in Jerusalem, they had no agenda. They were just going where the spirit led them and they showed up in all these places and started sharing what they had experienced. What's the lesson in it for us? How can we be more spirit-led in our strategy in sharing the good news with other people and our tactics and the things that we do on a daily basis. 
how, how can we be more open to God's spirit in that? Mm. Yeah, I think for me, the first thing would be to have the spirit as the centerpiece in our strategy. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, I think some of us may know that I just recovered from COVID and I just started to lose my sense of smell and taste a little bit towards the end which is very unusual for me because I'm someone who loves food and I'm known to have a sensitive nose as well. So I'm the one who goes around the house to make sure everything is clean, the towels are dry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, <laughs> at this, in the last like few days, I've kind of lost half maybe of my sense of smell. It's not a full thing. So I still can taste food to some extent, but it's just like one part of the taste. Which is very weird because when I have a meal, I can still kind of figure out what the food is tasting like. But if I try to recall, it's not the full taste that it should be, you know. So I was having a cup of coffee, I was looking forward to it, and I realized that I was only tasting like maybe the, the undertones of it, the, the body of the coffee, and not the taste that hits you right in the face when you make that lovely cup of uh, you know, Nespresso or whatever it is. Yeah. And then it, I just sat for a while and started to think, what if this is you know, my new norm where I can't taste the entirety of what I'm drinking or eating? And it just made me think about these questions, how it's so possible to live our Christian life with just part of the Trinity, you know, mm. just God, and the sun, but maybe not tapping too much on the spirit. You could still get by. You're still a Christian, right? But you wouldn't have the full experience that God had intended for you. And I think that that's something we all need to experience yeah. you know, in, in its uh, entirety, right? Uh, otherwise, we would just come away thinking that that's all there is. And I just accept it. I would be accepting 50% of yeah. my relationship with God as the 100%. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. What happens when we walk through life half aware? Mm. Or like, for example, I, I believe it's Tolkien who says something about this. How can I live life in a more enchanted way? How can I mm. see the world as not as a mundane space, but a place where the spirit could potentially work and there's something exciting around every corner. There's a kingdom moment or there's a God moment around every street and in every person. Yeah, I like the way you describe that, especially with like the idea of enchantment and yeah, a God moment. Uh, those are things that I think typically in our fellowship, we've kind of shied away from because mm -hmm. we want to have a rational and logical faith. And so we've, we've worked really hard to explain and to defend and have an apologetic that understands and is based in scripture in terms of why we believe what we believe. But I think part of the disadvantage of that is we've kind of shied away from having a robust theology of how God's spirit works both back then and today. Uh, and so today when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of immediately shy away because we're thinking about oh, miracles or speaking in tongues or something that our fellowship is very uncomfortable with. Uh, but I don't think it has to be like that. I don't think we have to go to that extreme. If we just open ourselves up to, you know, where is God's spirit leading me? How is God's spirit calling me to be a better disciple today, mm. right mm. here in this space, in this coffee shop? Then I can begin to open my eyes to see what God's doing and where his spirit is working in his mission in the world around me. And maybe I'll be more likely to engage in that. Mm. Yeah. I think to cultivate that sense of awareness 
sometimes takes a discipline of being still and beholding when we when we live in a time and era where everything demands our attention immediately and we rarely have opportunities to sit back to be silent and to be still and to simply behold the moment where we are in i wonder if sitting back and taking that time to take in our surroundings the people around us would that open up space in our minds and our hearts for the spirit to then come in when they're not overcrowded with distractions and phones and advertisements and games and news? So I think a habit of cultivating stillness, cultivating peace and the space to behold is it's not an easy discipline to cultivate, but I think very much beneficial. Well, that's all for our conversation today. We pray that you will find those moments of stillness, that you will be aware of God's spirit in your own life and in the world around you so that you can listen to its promptings and participate in the mission of God. Until next time, this is us at the Theology Podcast. Thanks for listening.